This episode, the second in a three-part series getting ready for Easter, homemade pita bread on the grill. Welcome. I'm Bruce Weinstein. I'm the chef in Bruce and Mark. Hey there, and I'm Mark Scarborough. I'm the writer. I may be the chef, but today I'm getting out of the kitchen. Because I've got a secret. As a writer, I haven't cooked a thing in years. That's about to change. Mark's headed into the kitchen. Remember, he's a writer, and he gets easily distracted, usually by bourbon. Hey, watch it. I'm doing the cooking. And I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to guide him, and I'm going to give him tips, and I'm going to judge him. And so after 25 books, he can finally say, Hey, I f***ing made that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hate these. I... I, I I hate yeast. Uh, it's why I became a food writer and gave up cooking. It just never works. It's always supposed to work. Oh, look, I'm so organic. I work with yeast. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't wear prairie skirts. I don't work with yeast. Oh, God. If you can't tell, Mark is waiting for his yeast to get bubbly and proof. Uh, and it's going to fail. No, it's not going to fail. And besides, even if it does fail, it's probably not the yeast's fault. It'll be yours. Oh, uh, that's why I hate yeast. Thanks so much. No, here, seriously, there are a couple of things you can make sure you do to make sure yeast works. First of all, make sure your yeast isn't terribly old. There's always a date on it. Yeast is a live product, and if you use old yeast, it might be dead and inactive. I should say, I should say that I bought some yeast because Bruce sent me the store. This was for another project a while back, and he needed some active dry yeast, and I went to the store, and I bought a package of yeast, and when we got it home, we discovered that it was over a year out of date. Yeah, we didn't even try to use Use it because no. it was going to be dead and a waste of ingredients. Exactly. And then the other thing is your temperature of the water you're dissolving it in. Yeast is going to do its best between about 100 and 106 degrees. And if it's cooler than that, it may not uh, proof so quickly. And if it's hotter than that, you may just boil it to death. I think some recipes do claim that the 115 degrees Fahrenheit is the mark. But I think that's often done so that they assume that by the time you take out like the water from the microwave and pour it into a bowl, you've cooled it down. Mm. Slightly. That's a so, lot of taking into. Uh, <laughs> well, but that's 115 is the standard recipe I know. agreement. I like to keep it at 106 just to make sure. And you also don't always buy a yeast from the store. Uh, well, I buy it at a store, but I buy it at a fancy store. If you go to a kitchen store like William Sonoma or Solatab, you could buy something called SAF, S A F, instant yeast. And I love it because you don't have to do this step of proofing it with the water and a little pinch of sugar. Um, it is designed to go right into um, doughs and batters without the proofing. And it's guaranteed as long as it's within the date on so, it that so, it'll work. So why am I proofing? Um, because even though you don't have to with SAF and that is what you're using, I like to do it because it just makes me feel better that I know it's going to work. And I don't waste <laughs> all that flour because... No, things go wrong all the time. Uh, it's making me nervous. I hate <laughs> this crap. This is this whole yeast bread making thing. Okay, well, so anyway, as we said, we are making homemade pita that we're going to grill outside on a pizza stone. Uh, Bruce started doing this, oh, maybe a year ago, actually for a dinner party that we had. And I have to tell you, it's about the best pita I've ever had. Well, thank you. And remember, you don't have to copy this recipe down. It's on our website, bruceandmark.com. And this is our second recipe, as we said, in a series for Easter. Die, die, enu, die, die, enu. Hey, settle, settle down. S settle down. We're not uh, doing that yet. So we started with a shawarma-style leg of lamb. I'm still not too sure about that. That sounds, um, it sounds a little Israeli. I guess the first Easter really was, was, uh, 
Palestinian, maybe not Israeli. But... Well, if it's Israeli, then you wouldn't eat this bread at Passover. Well, I guess people wouldn't eat this bread with flour in it at Passover. You would. Oh, I'd eat pork loin at Passover. You would eat pork loin absolutely for Passover, but others might not. Um, anyway, so in this bowl with the proof, I've got a half a cup of that warm water, and I've got two and a quarter teaspoons of the yeast and a quarter teaspoon of sugar, and it's uh, it's ready to go. I'm ready to start stirring in stuff. Stuff. Oh, excellent. That's Mark's technical term for all-purpose flour. Yeah. And I'm not using bread flour here. We're using all-purpose flour. Why? It has a slightly lower gluten content. Um, which will allow it to be a little more flexible in a softer dough, and it'll puff up beautifully. Okay. And so I want you to add one cup of that flour and two more cups of warm water and start stirring that up well. Uh-oh. I can feel the complaining coming on. You started this podcast with complaining. Oh, for goodness sake. But you are getting better at this cooking thing. Anyway, once that little doughy batter is smooth, you're going to stir in two more cups of flour and... Two tablespoons of olive oil. Okay, it's getting thick. It's, it's like moving beyond pancake batter, but just barely, right? All right, now wait. Wait, it'll get even better. It'll turn into a dough when you add this remaining three cups of flour. Three cups. But I want you to add it in half cup increments <gasps> because that way you know when you've added just enough because you want a nice, slightly tacky but firm dough. And if you <sighs> add it all at once, it might not work out. Oh, it's getting really hard to stir. It's, it's, it's so hard. It's like it's... Isn't editing grand? I cut out all of Mark's complaining, and now we're ready to shape the pita rounds. I really don't think that's very fair. No, no, it's not. But it is better podcasting. Right. So why don't you tell everyone what happened during the editing gap? Oh, gosh. So much happened. So I stirred in all that flour... And then I kneaded the dough on a lightly floured surface, and I kneaded and kneaded, you know, with the heels of my hands in the dough, and knead and knead. Um, and I kept, I added a little more flour, maybe like three tablespoons, maybe, just so the dough wasn't sticky. I put it in a bowl, and I covered the bowl with plastic wrap tightly. Sometime we're going to have to do a myth podcast about oiling that bowl. Anyway, and I let it rest in a warm, dry place for one and a half hours. I scraped the dough onto a lightly floured surface. I divided it into 16 even pieces. You told me those pieces are about three ounces each. Wow, how obsessive can you get? I love using a scale when I'm baking. I rolled <laughs> these into little balls between my palms. I put them on a grease baking sheet. I covered them with a kitchen towel, and I set them aside. That's very good. That <laughs> was a lot. And while I was doing all that... I discovered this really important shortcut. What's the shortcut? Well, you get a credit card, get a car key, you go to the store, and you buy PETA. Oh, please. <laughs> there is no store-bought PETA that can compare with this. Well, maybe from PETA Perfect in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Oh, but other oh, than that... I love the PETA from PETA Perfect is... in Fairlawn. It's, so, it's the best reason to have a funeral. It's <laughs> fabulous stuff. Okay, go on. That's another podcast, I think. <laughs> funeral food. All right. So there's no comparison. When you make it yourself, it's weird and yeasty and a little salty and uh, it's hot and mm. grilly and oh it's grilly. fantastic oh. Well, we're cooking it on the grill aren't we okay yeah so now what what do I now do? I want you to take each one of those balls that I you knew let I wasn't rest. just gonna let those balls alone well that's I? called that's just called making rolls not making pita <laughs> so now you're gonna take those 16 balls okay. and take the rolling pin okay and I want you to roll each one out into a seven inch circle and I don't add any flour no flour the dough has the olive oil in it and it's a perfectly lovely dough that won't stick to anything anymore. So I just have this clean dry work surface. I'm going to roll them out. Yep. And these are really 
elastic. They're a little elastic but they'd be much more if you hadn't let them rest. That 30-minute rest you did really helped uh, help the gluten settle down so, so you could roll. Just have a little secret? patience. Have a little patience and just keep rolling and turning them. You could even turn them over and turn them around right. and it, it it's really fast to get them to seven-inch circles. Okay, this is going to take a while. Yeah, it will. But then when you're done, you're going to put them back across the work surface or back on these cookie sheets and then you're going to cover them with dish towels again and you're going to let them rest for 20 minutes. And while they're resting, let's go set up the grill. So we've got the pizza stone on the grate over direct high heat. And the grill is, oh, it's banging hot. It's like 500, 550 along in there. And we've let the stone warm up on the grate for about 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes while the pita rested. And we are ready to grill them. So what we're going to do is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pita. No. No, you're not taking anything. I did all this, and I'm going to grill them. Uh, Okay. I'm going to put a few on the stone, right? Well, on our big stone, you're going to put about six or seven. This is a giant stone. This is a big stone. It's a double-sized rectangular stone. So you're going to pick up the pitas with your hands, and you can see that they're flat now, and they're not shrinking back. They've rested. And just flap them down, turn them over, and slap them down on the stone. And you probably fit about six or seven on there. But what about a regular stone? Just a regular round stone that most people have. A regular round stone is... two or three? Yeah, you probably fit about three. But you, want, you don't those. want any hanging off the edge. No, no. They have to be completely flat on it. Like, let's say you wanted to use a round... Let's say you wanted to use this kettle pizza. Oh, we should do this on the kettle pizza sometime. That oh, is... I love the kettle pizza. Kettle pizza mm. is a... It's a product we found that converts um, any kettle grill yep. into a wood-fired oven. Yep. Like if you have Tuscan one of those round oven. kettle grills, this thing... For these guys in Massachusetts created this thing. It's like a big lip on it, and it lifts the lid up, and I swear to God, it turns your whole grill into a Tuscan oven. It's unbelievable. And so if you use that, you're going to have a slot like to slide the pizza in onto yep. the stone, and so you'll need a peel. You won't be able to put these in with your hands. But a lot you of can't. people use peels, right? A lot of people say to use peels in, in recipes for pita, but I think if you're using the grill like this and you're not sticking your hand inside a deep wood-fired oven or trying to get it even in your house oven, then you could open the grill, slap them down with your hand, but use the tongs to take them off. But with the kettle pizza, you will need a peel to slide them in that slot opening and then tongs to take them out. All right, so I've done this already, and actually they don't know it because they're just listening to his talk and not seeing us, but these are already in the grill, and I've covered it, and it's down, and I'm just waiting for them to get puffed and lightly browned, right? I don't want them browned in any way, just just puffed up. What is it, like three minutes? It's three minutes. Pita is notoriously a pale bread. Right. It's not meant to be brown, um, although if you get a little brown bits on the bottom from the hot stone, they will add a lot of extra flavor. And some people complain that their pitas don't puff. So what is the, the secret to getting, besides, I know the resting is part of it, what's the real secret? The true secret to getting the pita to puff evenly and perfectly creating the pocket inside is rolling it evenly. Uh, so if your little seven inch circle is rolled perfectly evenly. And you mean a th- even thickness Even thickness. Even and, the edge. and also it should be fairly perfectly round. I mean, if your circle isn't, you know, protractor okay. compass I ha- ready. I-, I have some rustic ones. Here. <laughs> um, the rustic ones will still puff up, but if if they look more like a kidney-shaped swimming pool, 
then a circle, <laughs> then they're just not going to puff up and give you that and beautiful pocket. And it's really pocket. easy if you don't roll, if you don't let the rolling pin go completely off the side right. of the bread, it's very easy to get a lip around the edge where it's thicker than the center. You and can also cheat and get some of those little rubber rings you put on the end of your rolling pin that lets you roll something completely evenly from edge to edge. Right, but you got to keep that rolling pin going and just go right off the edge of right, the bread. Well, these look perfect. They're puffed up, so take them off. Okay, but they're hot. So use these long-handled tongs, and then you're going to throw some more on there. And then a few more, and then a few more, and then we'll be ready for... Tasting and judgment. I, I, I really don't know what judgment there can be since you've been standing over my shoulder the whole time, but okay. No, I judge these to be absolutely delicious. They're they puffed are, up nicely, and well, oh my God. They are amazing. See, and you wanted to go to Peter Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love Peter Perfect. <laughs> um, but they are. They're very tender. They're very delicate. They're more delicate like warm bread. than the store-bought ones you get. More, um, um, less chewy. Nice They're pretty more. authentic, that's for sure. Gosh, they are really good. So um, let me ask you this question. Uh, you can freeze these things, right? Oh, they freeze, once you, right. Once they're made. Once they're cooled, and that only takes a few minutes. As okay. soon as they're cooled, put them in a freezer-safe Ziploc bag and try and squeeze as much air as you can. And then... When they're frozen, you can actually put them right on your oven rack and turn the oven on at 350. And then they, they don't even take 10 minutes to heat up and get right just out about freezer, just right out of the freezer, the freezer into the preheated oven on right on the rack. They're okay, absolutely perfect. So I did this old school, but while I was doing this old school, when we weren't recording, you were telling me that this could also be done in a stand mixer. So yeah, that was my shortcut. That? It's just you could do it in a stand mixer okay. and let the stand mixer dough hook knead them for you. Oh. So, yeah, you can right. use that bowl to proof your yeast right. and then start adding right anything so into that. So much less complaining would have gone on. Oh, and then I wouldn't have had to edit. We could have, <laughs> we could have listened to the mixture going. So, um, you know, these things are going to be great with this leg of lamb that we made for Easter. But mm-hmm. there's other things we can do with these, right? I mean, oh, anything you would, any sandwich you want, you could have yourself a lovely BLT, even smoked a peanut butter and salad. jelly, smoked trout salad, smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. All be good in there. Mm-hmm. Falafel. Mm-hmm. And what if I don't have a grill? Well, then you could do it in your oven. I was going to say you're out of luck, but you're not out of luck. You could do it in your oven, put the pizza stone on the lowest rack and remove all the other racks. You have easy access to it. Then preheat your oven to 500 degrees. Wow. And then you have easy access and you can, and if you've taken the other racks out, you don't even need to use a peel because you can easily not burn yourself and just go right in. So you put the stone right on the rack. You put the stone right on the remaining rack. On the main or bottom rack where it's the hottest. And yep, and then just slap them on just the way you did outside and take them off with uh, with tongs. Holy crow. So, see, making pita is really not so hard. Yeah, where is your credit card in the car key? This recipe for homemade pita bread on the grill is original to this podcast. If you'd like to see the full version, check it out on our website, bruceandmark.com. And I should add that we're still running that contest for two people. Two people can each win two 17-inch Cuisinart heavy-duty baking sheets. That runs through the end of March 2016. It's a contest. If you want to know the whole details, find our podcast for the vegan chocolate chip cookies. It'll tell you how to enter. Basically, I'll tell you now, it's a shortcut. Just drop a comment on our website anywhere by the end of the month in March, and we will enter you in the contest. We'll have a drawing, and two people will each win two of these crazy baking sheets. These are amazing, expensive baking sheets, and they're yours free. And if you like today's podcast, 
would you mind subscribing so you don't miss an episode? And also, rate us. Yeah, give us a great rating. So check it out. Homemade pita on the grill. I wouldn't make these things every day, but it was sure worth the effort once in a while.